1: I'm
0: Yes. How does, it, how does it feel to be free? I wish I I wish I knew how it would feel to be free. Well, there must be a reason why I play that song every week. Because I certainly don't feel free. Is there anybody listening to me who feels free? Free of what? What are you free of? Free of, free of the, the inevitable troubles of the modern world? Free uh, of the inevitable troubles of any world, of life itself? How does it feel to be free? Um, I don't know. (laughs) Is anybody free? What are we free of? What are we free of? Free of internal demons? They don't even have to be demons anymore. Free of internal doubts. No one is free of these things. And yet I suppose, and this is maybe the Buddhist way of thinking of it, if you acknowledged first of all if you were aware of everything that troubled you of all the contradictions and the inconsistencies if you were aware of the fact that you hated people and you loved people i heard somebody say the other day that uh people are not capable of love if they're not capable of hate is that true is that true i know people who don't hate other people they get irritated with them or they get disappointed by them, but they still are full of love. Do you have to really understand hatred to to understand love? Do you have to express hatred to express love? I don't know. So much I don't know. The older I get, and I'm getting very old, <laughs> it seems to me that I know less and less. I try in my own way to, uh, to figure out how to... Uh, how to cope with the world, and I certainly don't feel free. I don't feel free of things from the past, and I know a lot of people do, actually. A lot of people don't really live in the past, and there's no need for them to. No need for them to live in the past. Some people like me are always trying to uh, correct the past, which is a fool's errand, which is basically living in fantasy. It's a way of, um, maybe it's a way of avoiding the present, you know, Maybe it's a way of avoiding the present. I don't know. Um, hard to say. I'm, all, I'm babbling today because my routine was thrown off. I usually uh, get here at a certain time to record this show. But today I had an extra appointment and took a bus uh, down uh, Lexington Avenue in Manhattan. By the way, if you come to New York, don't ever use the bus. I use the buses all the time because the subways scare me. Subways, I get claustrophobic down in the subways, jammed into the subway cars. Um, uh, I don't like standing too close to the tracks. There's uh, the subway is very it's incredibly noisy when the train comes in and when the train leaves. So I avoid the subways because I'm a scaredy cat. I'm not a real New Yorker. I guess I never really was. But so I take the buses everywhere, which is a terrible thing to do these days. Uh, because every street and every avenue in Manhattan is uh, busted, broken. There is construction on every block. There is con- there is deconstruction, there is uh, reconstruction, and um, there's construction. <laughs> Everything is being taken down, dug up, poured back in, knocked down again, built back up. And... Um, There are bike lanes everywhere, which leaves one less lane for buses, cars, uh, cabs, uh, whatever, um, car services, uh, trucks, delivery trucks. Everybody's double and triple parked. There's not enough traffic uh, enforcement people in the entire world to enforce the traffic in New York City. It's an astounding disaster. So I had another extra appointment this morning before I came. Usually I come straight here from my house to record this show. But I had an extra appointment this morning and um, had to take the bus all the way down um, on the east side of Manhattan, all the way down to where the uh, radio station is on 31st Street. Our offices are on 31st <clears throat> between Park and Madison Avenue. So now you know the secret is out. Um, So I got here late. And anything that throws my routine off, since I am an insane obsessive compulsive, everything always has to be exactly the same with me or I get thrown off. Of course, when it is the same, I feel like I'm being stifled all the time, like I'm suffocating because everything's the same. Welcome to you can't win, right? Um, Does any of this ever seem familiar to people? When, uh, probably it does because along some continuum, I mean, certainly everybody is, I, I assume most people are more functional than I am and less uh, disturbed in their minds and their hearts. But, um, well, let's move on from all that stuff. I did have something to talk about today. I may actually even get to it. I don't know. depends on um, how my mind, mind and body react to the changes that happen today and what's going on entirely in my life. Um, Podcast. Uh, I was informed uh, just uh, a couple of days ago by our uh, our program director here, who, by the way, I have to say, is doing a very good job. So, if there's anything that you're having trouble with uh, the website here, uh, you're having trouble getting programs, whatever trouble you're having with PRN, rest assured that is being worked on as it has not been worked on before. That we have an extremely competent person in charge, which I am grateful for because things do go wrong. I mean, the more stuff there is on the internet and the more, the more we're connected, the, uh, the more we're disconnected. <laughs> the, more, the more improvements there are, the more obstacles and the more troubles there are all the time. But I have been informed by our um, relatively new program director here that um, there is a feature called podcast by phone, podcast listening by phone. And it's a feature uh, in a way, it's a feature that's a way for you, the listener, to listen to the past five programs, I guess the most recent five programs, over the phone rather than on the archives via PRN. In other words, you don't have to uh, get on your um, computer, is the way I understand it. uh, Correct me uh, if I'm wrong, uh, powers that be. But uh, you don't have to get on your computer to download uh the episodes or listen to it um listen to it via your laptop or your desktop computer. You can uh, listen to it on your phone, presumably a smartphone, not the uh, stupid uh extremely um dumb phone that I have, which is an antique by now. I wonder if I could sell my phone as an antique. Do people buy antique cell phones? Is it uh <laughs> I don't, think that's the way, uh, I don't think that's the way technology works. So podcast by phone feature. Um, if you have a uh, smartphone, what you do is you dial a certain number, and you can listen to this program. It's impossible for me to understand, of course, because I don't understand anything about technology. But uh, the way you do that, here's the phone number, and you may want to take this down, so I'll mention it a couple of times. If you want to listen by phone, you to know, listen by phone to the most recent show and the uh, previous four shows before that, so the past five shows, you dial this number, one 719 9984 It's a different number for each different program, and this is from my program, one 719 9984. I don't know what happens when you dial the number. I don't have a smartphone, but that's how you can get started. Maybe there's a menu uh, and you can figure it out since you know how to use your smartphone. I could never figure this out. Give you the number again 1 701 719 9984. Okay, okay. We're cool there. The debate. You know, I know that a lot of this is old news. Everything is old news if you don't talk about it in the first five minutes that it happened. That's the drawback uh, in our modern age of uh, doing something once a week. I think what I should do is get a, um, a lozenge. I wonder if I should get a lozenge or whether I should just have some water and tough it out. Hold on a second. So the debate, anyhow... Yeah, I suppose it's old news. Um the stalker did uh, I noticed that the, I mean I'm sure you all noticed uh who, and I'm sure most of you watched the debate. How could you not watch it? It's like morbidly fascinating. It's like watching a train wreck in action. The stalker. Um Donald Trump when he was uh when Hillary Clinton was answering questions, uh especially when she was asking answering questions of the people up on stage. The uh, theor- the uh, presumably undecided voters. Uh, you know what? I, I don't really believe that these people are undecided voters. And if they are undecided, that probably means they're a certain kind of person who will never be able to decide. And probably they're, they're the kind of people who just can't make decisions. And I sympathize with that. When you're uh, maybe a little dim in your head, when maybe you're troubled, when you have lots of troubles, when you're depressed – It's almost impossible to make decisions, and there are people like that. I mean, I'm sure you all know people like that. Maybe you have relatives like that, people who just can't make a decision. So these people presumably are undecided voters. They're undecided voters. They can't figure out at this point. Can you imagine not being able to figure out whether you want to – at this point in our election after, what has it been, five years that they've been both running for election now – and uh, their campaign has been going on for, uh, well, it seems like a year or two, but it's only a couple of months, the official campaign. <clears throat> can, you f- can you believe that somebody could not have figured out whether they want to vote for Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton? Yes, I know they have some things in common. If you're a Bernie person or if you're, um, if you're a libertarian or if you're for Jill Stein, uh, all of which I can understand easily— um, you look at Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump and you see them basically on the part of the continuum that is just uh, the same old crowd, the rich that really run and own America. That I understand. But between the two of them and far the, as far as their personalities and even their stance on certain issues, um, but especially with their personalities, how could you not know already, even if you weren't basing this on... Policies or on um, politics, on what, let's say, somebody's stand is on um, women's rights, on abortion, on um, Second Amendment issues, on who was going to get appointed to the Supreme Court. Even if you didn't base it on that, and they are different enough, they are certainly different, these two candidates. Um, Hillary Clinton is somebody you have to vote for. Um, you know, feel free, of course, to vote for, uh, you know, Jill Stein or Gary Johnson or um, write in Bernie Sanders' name if you want. But uh, it's not a good idea. I'm saying it's not a good idea. At this point, if, especially if you're living in a place, if you're aware enough of what the uh, political realities are where you live, it, at this point, if, uh, if you're living in an election district— Uh, where it is, or a state, where it's close between the two of them, and you want the Democrats to get elected and you want the Republicans to go bye-bye, then you got to vote for Hillary Clinton. Don't waste your vote. It is a wasted vote to to vote for a third-party candidate. Um, That little diversion there, a little digression. So who... Who do, you, do you know anybody personally? Certainly, you can't be one of these people, so I, I take it for granted you know who you want to vote for uh, one way or the other. But uh, do you know anybody who hasn't made their mind up between these two people who is going to, uh, at this point, if the election was going to be held tomorrow, do you know anybody who is, uh, who is undecided? <laughs> How can you be undecided? either you uh, are for uh, Trump and everything that he stands for, whatever it is he stands for, if it's just Trump, that's good enough to vote against him. Standing for Trump and the way he's lived his life and the way he's treated other people, that's a good enough reason to vote. In fact, I, uh, to vote for Hillary Clinton. Uh, Hillary Clinton, uh, I am no fan of Hillary Clintons. Hillary Clinton is responsible for a lot of warlike behavior, uh, is she going? For instance, is Hillary Clinton going to stop the government spying program where they where billions of dollars are spent on spying on us? using our fucking taxes? They use our money, you know, uh, to to spy on us. And we don't even know the extent of it. I mean, Edward Snowden aside, we have no idea of the extent of how they are, capturing our keystrokes, our emails, our every phone call, calls a command calls that go out, whatever we say. I mean, the next the, the only thing that, that remains for them to do is to actually be opening all our mail and um, to be bugging our apartments or to have um, multiple, you know high-tech uh, super tech uh, microphones. Um, on every block. I mean, in in some countries, in England, in London especially, and other places in England, they have cameras on every single block. There's nothing that happens in public there that the the police and uh, their version of the FBI and their version of the CIA don't know about. And here, there are more and more um, police cameras that are being put up. And Maybe they'll be also, uh, although I think it'd be very difficult uh, to have um, uh, police um, microphones, to have microphones put up because there's so much ambient noise on the streets of New York. How could you possibly uh, distinguish anything by putting a microphone up? But a camera catches everything. So um, when it comes to things like the NSA spying, I don't think that she's going to change anything. I think she'll probably just increase it. You know, um, you know, going over Hillary Clinton's candidacy and what she stands for, and what what you are getting if you vote for her. Is she going to? She says she's going to raise taxes on the rich and lower taxes on the middle income people. You think that's true? I really wonder. I don't know if it's true or not. And you can't just blame that on Congress. She's a rich woman, uh, but she pays taxes. You know, just like Warren Buffett pays taxes. Just like. Donald Trump does not pay taxes. But Hillary Clinton's defects, Hillary Clinton's defects, she's warlike. The fact that we have um, special forces and commandos and the CIA CIA operations influencing other governments and uh, bribing people all over the world in like something 150 different countries. Do I think that Hillary Clinton is going to stop doing that? No, I don't think she's going to stop doing that. But Do I think that Hillary Clinton is going to be fairer to women? Yes, I do. Do I think that Hillary Clinton is going to appoint some decent Supreme Court justices? Yes, I do. Right away, that's all you got to know. If you just knew those two things, that would be enough. That would be enough. And you know, Trump, Trump is, uh, Trump does not like women. Trump detests women. Trump uh, is afraid of women and he detests women. And uh, we've all become extremely aware of the uh, attitude about that. Also, he is actually mentioned. I don't have a list of these people with me or their biographies. But he has actually mentioned the people that he would appoint to the Supreme Court. And a lot of them are extreme libertarians and conservatives. Would make our uh, civil rights, what, left, what are left of our civil rights, go bye-bye completely. Um, it, would be, um, it would be a disaster. So um, how could you know? I mean, who know? Who doesn't know who they're going to vote for at this point? The people on stage, uh, as my wife says, and my wife is uh, a pretty keen observer of things. As my wife says, uh, the people who, who go up on those stage, I don't necessarily trust that they're undecided. What they really want more than anything else is attention. Huh? I could understand that. I mean, why am I on the radio? Why do people go on the radio all the time? Um and they want attention. I mean, yeah people go on the radio to sell products, people go on the radio uh, because they uh, they feel like a passionate urge to denounce other people or to support other people or to talk about certain issues. but um, at the bottom, at the bottom, I mean there's all kinds of ways that people could advertise and people could uh, promote how they feel they could write or they could hire somebody else to do it or, But to get on the air, uh, of course, now everybody's got a podcast. It's a way of getting attention. It's a way of getting attention. And a lot of people feel uh, ignored and lonely. This is a very, it can be a very lonely world. It's a huge society with a huge number of people. What is it, 325 million people or something, 320 million people in the United States, you go to work every day, or you don't go to work, or you stay in your apartment, or you play your video games, or you're on Facebook, and you feel lonely. A lot of people are consumed by loneliness in the United States. And um, I think the people who are up on stage, and if you looked at them, you could probably get an idea just by looking at them that they were either confused or they were lonely. And Uh, if I were to accuse them of being deliberately uh, lying that they didn't know who they were going to vote for, uh, surely some of those people up on stage at that quote-unquote town hall meeting, they looked, uh, uh, you know, despite the fact whatever their appearances were, I don't believe that some of them didn't already know who they're going to vote for. I mean, uh, it seems impossible to me. So anyhow, so Trump is uh, stalking around. And whenever um, Hillary Clinton was going to answer a question, you know, when one of them asked a question about, the, uh, about some policy issue about Muslims or about Second Amendment rights or about anything, um, Hillary Clinton would uh, – and she's had a lot of practice in this and she's been coached, of course. And this is something that you can learn in any kind of management course or, or, or um, sales course, I suppose – when one of them asked a the question, if they were on one side of the stage or the other, you know, she had her lectern in one place, he had his lectern in another place. She was, when we were watching um, on the um, on TV, she was on our right, and he was on the left on the stage. He would have been, she would have been on the left, and he would have been on the right. That's the way it works, right? So somebody. Who asks a question on her side or on the other side she would get the uh, traveling microphone, and uh, you know she would uh, you know she had the microphone that you know, she can walk around with there's uh, nothing plugged in to the lectern there and um, she would walk over to the person, get as close as she could, but not too close. Um, people are taught when they're questioning lawyers are taught when they're questioning witnesses. Um, not to get too close. You don't want to badger a witness. Unless you feel like badgering and then it's up to the judge to say back off, lawyer, you know. But lawyers are taught if they want a lit- uh, a witness to be friendly and they they don't want a witness to feel like they're being uh aggressively attacked, they uh they don't get too close to the witness and they uh maintain a certain distance. So she would she would um she walked over, as you notice, and she would say, sometimes if she remembers the person's name, she mentions the name. I think one guy was Carter, Mr. Carter, uh, the black guy who asked the question. I think I remember that guy. And um, she, would, she would go over and she would uh, talk to them and she would be as personal as she could possibly be. You know, I'm glad you asked that question, and I know, and she would bring it back to them, whatever speech she then, you know, launched on about, under my administration, there are 350 million jobs that would be created and what blah, 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 blah. And, but she would bring it back. She would bring it back, to them, and that's why, uh, Mr. or Miss, that's why it is that I think that that was a very good question, and that's why I think you should you um, you know, you should be concerned about Mr. Trump or uh, you should be concerned about uh, what I'm going to do for you and this is what I'm going to do for you. And when it came time for Mr. Trump to answer questions, um, he, now the first thing he did was, but the thing I want to mention before is um, before uh, how he answered the questions and it was different than the way she answered questions. What she would do is when she, you know, she went over to speak to somebody and when she went over... Um, Especially to where his side, you know, his turf, his territory, a guy like that is more like a dog than a human being. Or I should say, that's really too blanket a generalization, I should say that the part of him that's more like, um, more like um, a dog uh, is protecting his turf. Uh, any kind of animal. Just pick an animal out. They have uh, they have for survival's sake, they have a certain turf which they will defend and defend aggressively and even viciously and to the death sometimes. Right. So this is what. Uh, so she she sometimes would respond to questions which were on the other side of where her lectern was. So she had to walk into <coughs> she had to walk into his territory. She had to walk into Trump's territory. And he is so primitive that he resented this, obviously, and it made him nervous, and it brought out his survival instincts. And just because of the way he is, and this is only one reason, but then you notice that he would walk around. He'd get very nervous and pace around a lot if she was anywhere near his side of the stage, especially if she was like right smack near his lectern talking to somebody who was seated on his side of the stage. And he would pace around uh, looking like uh, there was, uh, you know, an alarm had gone off and everybody had to man the barricades. And he was uh, scared and he was angry. What comes first? I don't know. Fear usually comes first, then anger comes after that. Been my experience in life and from what I've observed with other people is in situations and lifestyles and ways people grow up is that. When people are uh, angry, it's because if you look deep enough down, uh, it's because they're scared or afraid for some reason. When babies throw tantrums, it's because they're afraid of something. They're afraid of they've, they've lost something or they're losing something. When kids throw tantrums, it's afraid because they lost something or they're losing something. Um, frustration comes into play, you know, when, yeah, there's frustration that makes people angry or um but reaction to threats or to shock or to other people's aggression is first fear and then anger. So he was scared, I think, that she came over to his side of the stage. And he paced around. And then his response to that was, and this is a guy, she's a short woman, he's a tall man, right? He was standing, as you as many of you must have noticed, practically right on top of her, behind her. He would call he would stand behind her Clutching his microphone <laughs> like it was, um, I should mention that a lot of the language I would use today, uh, does it make any difference anymore? They used to have on BAI, when I was on BAI, which was a terrestrial radio station subject to the rules of the FCC, they used to have um, uh, uh, something that, the, that uh, the station management and uh, the Pacifica management would tell you that uh, you're not supposed to curse Cursing on the air, especially certain curses, could lose your license for you. You could lose your license because it was considered publicly indecent, and you could lose your license over that. So um, we had to, if we were going to do a program that um, was the possibility of referring to anything that was sexual or scatological, or if we were going to do a program that might include possibly cursing, <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry about uh, my uh, cough, my inevitable relentless cough. Uh, if you were going to do a program like that, you would have to make um, a qualification at the beginning of the program, and you would have to say, the following program contains Frank may contain Frank language. I Never met Frank, but um, we'd have to say, the, the following program may contain Frank language. If you feel you will be offended by this, or there are children in the room, rather, if there are children in the room listening, or I suppose in the car, if there are children listening, or you feel that you might be offended by frank language or graphic sexual references or other graphic bodily references, then tune away, and you would mention however long your program was, tune away for the next hour and rejoin us at whatever it was, 11 o'clock or 2 o'clock, and you won't hear that kind of nasty talk. So um, I just felt, I felt this this old... um, reflexive notion that I should warn you that uh, that I'm going to do that. And isn't that, isn't that quaint? <laughs> that anybody cares anymore? That anybody would... Uh, it, that shows you, that dates me really. That shows you how old-fashioned I am. Okay. With the Internet and podcasts and with Donald Trump and with the newspapers. The other day when the New York Times, the Washington Post did this first, and then the New York Times reprinted some of it and, and signed its own reporters, this past weekend, uh, before the debates happened on Friday, when the stories broke, I think it was on Saturday morning when the New York Times printed these stories about the tape where Trump uh, you know, uses all this language and talks in this horrible way about women and what he did and what he wants to do and uh, you know, what, the way he regards women. When this story broke, the New York Times printed words... On its front page, that I have never seen printed on the front page of the New York Times in my entire life, never. Uh, everything has Trump has managed to. Uh, I don't know if this is so if it's so simplistic, but it seems like he has managed by himself in his astounding vulgarity and profanity and indecency and inhumanity and insensitivity. He has really dragged the entire public and the media and the political establishment over to his direction. People feel like they have to respond in kind to him. And maybe they do. Maybe they do. Although I noticed that Hillary Clinton um, uh, was, uh, was her—and uh, uh, I have to applaud her for this—she was— considering the astounding uh, aggression that she had to put up with, that stalking where he was standing behind her, his accusations, his interruptions, the amazing reference to the fact that when he was elected, that if he's elected, he's going to put her in jail. He says, you're going to go to jail. I'm going to appoint a special prosecutor, and you're going to wind up in jail. Can you believe this stuff? I mean, I can't believe that I've lived so long to see somebody who is a legitimate, who is the actual... Republican Party nominee for president. It, it takes your takes your breath away. It's shocking that he would, uh, not that he has this kind of personality. I mean, when it comes to this locker room banter, you've got people like, uh, you know, Lyndon Johnson and uh, John Kennedy. Their sexual behavior was astounding. I mean, uh, they just didn't report it so much in those days. People didn't know everything about everything every minute and report it. And reporters also laid off they didn't report all this stuff all the time, so um, so you didn't really know what was going on, but Lyndon Johnson and John Kennedy have had astounding amount of sexual affairs uh, when they were married when they were president in the White House outside the White House. I mean Bill Clinton was a, a total rank amateur compared to these people, although I think maybe he was more active than we know anyhow um, so there's Donald Trump and he's standing right behind Hillary Clinton. And Hillary Clinton uh is um so these these things were printed on the page of the front page of the New York Times. And uh you know I have the article here, but why read it and we all know about it right now. Yeah, I could grab them by the pussy. I can uh I can um yeah, I tried to fuck that woman, but she was married. And um People were shocked. The New York Times printed this like they were shocked. Shocked that gambling is going on in the back room. Is it really so shocking to people that Donald Trump used this language? Who is shocked by this? Of all the people who are listening to me now, and you can always get in touch with me. I would love to, I'd love to know anybody who is shocked by this. You can always get in touch with me by going to uh, Fader Files, my website, F-E-D-E-R-F-I-L-E-S.com, dot com. Were you shocked by this? Were you shocked? How, how much time, by the way, do we have left? We're at, uh, 30, 35. There's 35 minutes left? Yeah. Okay. Minutes left. I'm sorry, 25 left. Yeah. Okay, thanks a lot. Do you want to edit that out or you want to leave that? Let's leave this in. It's, it's so real. Okay. We'll, we'll just leave it in. Okay, okay fine. <laughs> okay, you're behind the scenes in big-time radio. Doesn't that bring you a vicarious thrill? It does to me. Um. So, um, so New York Times is is printing these words on the front page, and I'm thinking, you know, do I curse? I curse all the time. I curse all the time. I've been cursing since I was a teenager, and I curse all the time. I curse, in fact, more than a lot of people I know. You know, fuck this, fuck that. This fucking moron. I was on the bus today. This fucking city is going to to the dogs. I hate this fucking city. It's just a pile of shit. Yes. I curse all the time. People curse all the time. Men curse all the time. But what was shocking, uh, I mean, so how many people were shocked that Donald Trump said these things about women? I think it was more shocking to see it printed in the New York Times, to see it uh, played out loud on certain media outlets, even though they bleeped it. Uh, They didn't bleep it entirely, right, that he said these things. Um, Donald Trump has uh, done away with the possibility of shock but who was shocked by Donald Trump's attitude towards women not that he used the words the language I suppose was shocking Uh, that he used the words in combination with his behavior towards women and what he would like to do to women and what he thinks of women as basically uh, sex objects well I think that most men were not shocked by this I think most men were not shocked by this, and um, I'm going to talk a little bit about that, but I think first what we're going to do is we're going to take a little uh, musical break here, and um, I'll try to get my voice back a little bit, and then we'll uh, continue. (laughs)
1: She's done a bit
0: So Donald Trump, uh, and of course, good for the moderators. I, the, I'm sure you agree with me that these moderators were much better than the previous two moderators. The previous moderator, uh, Lester Holt, and I forget the woman's name who did the vice presidential uh, debate. It's The vice presidential debate tends to be kind of forgettable. But um, Lester Holt uh, did the first one, and— um, Some woman whose name I can't remember did the second one. Both of these moderators, uh, previous to these uh, two moderators um, um, uh, who did the most recent presidential debate, uh, uh, they got rolled right over by Trump and Clinton. But these two moderators were very good. They they interrupted them. They caught them up on uh, exaggerations, on misstatements, on... uh, uh, if somebody said something, and, and both of them a lot of times, of course, being politicians, did not answer the question, but especially Trump, who never answers the question because he lives in his own fucking world. <laughs> Don't be shocked. He lives in his own world, but, uh, you know, he he has, it's not it's not like you know, a regular politician that doesn't answer the question. You know, um, uh, one of the, uh, you know, was it Martha and then, uh, you know, what's his name? The the other guy senior moments right anyhow these uh these two uh, these two moderators were much better they interrupted them when they weren't answering questions and uh, they rode over them and they said "Uh, excuse me you didn't answer the question or here's the question let me remind you what the question was but Trump is so different than a regular politician like Hillary Clinton is a typical politician right. She would, uh, she would either, if it was a question that was uh, really difficult for her to answer because it pinned her, it really got her, like about WikiLeaks and her behavior with uh, her emails and erasing her emails and using her own private server, things that were truly embarrassing for her where she did really screw up and really make mistakes or maybe even do something illegal for all I know. And Maybe the FBI is going easy on her because uh, they know she's going to be the next president and they'll all be out of jobs. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, like a typical politician, she would say, well, I'm glad you asked that question or in in reference to that. And then she would start talking about it. And then within a few seconds or 20 seconds of her two minutes, which is absurd, of course, she would go off and say, but under my administration, and then she would launch off into something which was a digression, which would then not answer the question. And um, then uh, occasionally one of the moderators would uh, interrupt and say, Let me repeat the question to you because I don't think we're getting an answer to the question. And they would repeat the question, which was great. That's about time somebody did that. But Trump is different that not only did he, um, a lot of times he would say, in response to a question, he would say maybe one or two words, and then he would go off and talk about something uh, which had absolutely nothing to do with it. He would go back to some other question that was asked or some question that was asked by himself in his own head. (laughs) I mean, he really is... I mean, from one who really understands what it's like to feel, to be semi-psychotic and occasionally have periods of psychosis, Donald Trump is really approaching, I guess there's something called a borderline personality, but Donald Trump really is um, slightly psychotic, if not just a little bit more. He functions in the world. I mean, he eats Big Macs, Flies around on his jet. He gropes women. I mean, he's functioning in the world, uh, in his world. Um, it's a little bit like Howard Hughes, though. I mean, he has enough money. I don't think he has all the billions of dollars he says he does. Um, I think probably, who knows how much money he has—hundreds of millions or a billion dollars or something. So, money can uh, shelter you from the realities of life. I wish, since I'm not interested in the realities of life very often myself, or. That the realities of life, I should say, are um, extremely difficult for me to deal with. Uh, I often feel the desire to have enough money, although I've never, I guess I'm not serious enough or I'm just plain lazy, that I've never really devoted myself to making so much money, that I would be sheltered, that there would be buffers at every moment between me and reality. Um, And The most extreme example of that is someone like Howard Hughes, who is one of the richest men in the country, and, um, had some bizarre, insane, literally psychotic notions about things, and was afraid of germs and had to get blood transfusions every day, and didn't want any black people to be even within his sight because he was afraid he was going to get cancer. I mean, <clears throat> he was really crazy. But he managed to keep himself going because he, you know, he had so much money that he, had a whole floor of a hotel that he um he had a whole floor of a hotel that he that he owned uh, or that he rented in one of the hotels he owned that he just took over and so nobody could come anywhere near not only the room he was in but the entire floor and he had places that he rented where no you know where there were guards where he had people protecting him or money protected him and if he wanted to uh, If he didn't like what he was reading in a newspaper, he would probably buy the newspaper and have the editor changed, (laughs) and they would print stuff that he wanted to read, like the world was his own personal fairy tale. and You can do that if you have a lot of money, so Trump is probably like that. But Trump was answering questions um, hardly at all. She eventually would answer questions, and if she was reminded by the moderator that she was not answering questions, then she did answer the question. Um, even though she tried to, to you know, divert uh, things. Um, what else about this? And Trump's um, Trump's craziness, I mean, he does something which in psychology is called projection. I think most people are familiar with that by now. If he has a feeling <clears throat> which uh, or a thought connected to a very strong emotion, which he doesn't want to own, which he doesn't want to be aware of, he... Projects it outward and says that other people have these feelings, that other people are doing this, and Donald Trump is a textbook case of projection. The stuff he was saying on stage, things like uh, "she she has hatred in her heart," this is based on nothing that just happened. She was talking about in her bland, you know, her deliberately bland way. I mean, obviously, she has a very strong personality, and uh, she's very tough. But the idea of her having hatred in her—what is he talking about? Well, what he's talking about is himself. He's talking about himself. When he says she has hatred in her heart, he has hatred in his heart. The man is filled with hatred. Look at the way his face is twisted. Look at the way he. Uh, look at the way he. Um, look at the way he stomps around stage, stalking. There's a menace that comes off him of violence that comes off him. When he says that he had never, that that was all locker room banter, that he had never groped anybody, that he had never, uh, that he had never grabbed anybody by the pussy, that he had never, uh, you know, kissed anybody uh, on the mouth or kissed anybody and kissed them and kissed them uh, against their consent, that it was all locker room banter. Bullshit. Lies. Lies. And when somebody like him gets caught in his... And a lie, and it's something that he can't acknowledge even to his own self um, or that he doesn't feel like acknowledging to the public, he projects it out onto other people. Like uh, If you were for Donald Trump, it may seem like a great move to get <clears throat> all that—what he did is to get all these women that uh, Bill Clinton was involved with, that Bill Clinton had sex with uh, when he was married, when he was the governor, before he was the governor, when he was the president— And um, maybe Bill Clinton was aggressive. Maybe he forced himself on women. Although I don't really think so. I think he was more of a seducer in the old-fashioned way. And Donald Trump, apparently, who is so charmless. I mean, Bill Clinton—whether you can't stand him or not, and uh, whether you think he's—his some of his policies have destroyed uh, globalization policies and uh, internal domestic policies, like. people who you know, wound, up, uh, that, you know, wound up getting people who were black jailed uh, in, the, uh, in the millions. Uh, whatever you think of Bill Clinton, there's one thing he has that Hillary Clinton does not have very much of and that Donald Trump has none of. Well, I shouldn't say that. He has a kind of perverse uh, version of it, is charm. Bill Clinton is a charming guy, and he has a strong sexual vibe, that uh, maybe some women found attractive. And he, of course, he was the governor of a state. He was the president of the United States. He was a strong, powerful, charming man with a strong sexual vibe. I don't know if Bill Clinton, and we'll never really know. It's uh, his word against somebody else's word. We'll never know how aggressive he was, whether he was actually having sex with women that that goes into the realm of assaultive behavior. Uh, Whether it was against women's wills, I don't know. But this thing Donald Trump did, and I suppose if you're, and of course if you're a Trump backer, you think it was the coolest thing in the world that he would seat these women up there um, on the stage. And at first, he wanted to put them in the VIP box (laughs) with his with his family, so that they would be right smack next to Bill Clinton and his family. But uh, the the person who was in charge, uh, the organizer of the uh, debate, uh, in charge of the Federal Debate Commission or whatever it's called, I think it's not a governmental agency. It's uh, something that, that's uh, a combination of corporate and, uh, which tells you a lot, corporate and the two major parties, they set all the rules about what the debate would like. He refused to allow these women that Bill Clinton had sex with <coughs> to be seated in these boxes, uh, uh, he said that they had to be seated back closer to with the audience. But um, projection, projection. When, when he talks about putting her in jail, he's afraid that she's going to put him in jail. When he talks about she has hatred in her heart, he's got hatred in his heart. When, uh, when, when, when he talks about her lying all the time, and she lies, of course, she lies like any politician lies, but he's he's talking about himself. There's a part of him that understands. There's a part of him that understands that he's a liar, that he's a fabulous, that he makes things up, and that he just plain lies. I don't think it percolates to his actual consciousness. I don't know, in fact, what Donald Trump really is conscious of. Anyhow, hatred in her heart, and I'm going. She now I'm going to put her in jail. He's afraid she's going to put him in jail. And <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, she doesn't really. Personally, need to find reasons to put Donald Trump in jail. The uh, <coughs> sorry, the um, the Justice Department is already suing him with civil suits. Uh, whether or not he'll wind up in jail from a civil suit, I doubt it. Donald Trump will probably never wind up in jail, unless, of course, one of these women who is now coming forward to accuse him of sexual assault. I mean, you could use whatever word you want—groping. Or uh, you know, inappropriate touching—it's sexual assault. It may not be felonious, but probably in one case or two cases that I've heard, it probably is. The only trouble with some of these cases—and now there are something like six women who have come forward to uh, say this—and whether or not whether or not uh, this goes into the area of uh, of um, you know whether or not it's uh, it, there's a time lapse. What's that word for it? I forget now. Whether whether or not uh, the, um, the time has elapsed when these women can actually bring charges against him. In a civil lawsuit, I don't think there is any, uh, there's, there's no time lapse. If he groped somebody or he was kissing somebody on the mouth and, and they told him to stop and he wouldn't stop. or If he was groping somebody on an airline, which is what some woman said that she was <clears throat> seated next to him on an airplane and... Um, he just started uh, you know, grabbing her breasts and putting his hand um, you know, under her skirt and he wouldn't stop and she had to fight him off. And finally she changed her seat. <clears throat> and then another woman is suing him. She was involved in some business relationship with him, and he grabbed her when they were on going through some house someplace and threw her up against the wall or pushed her up against the wall and started um they started groping her all over and putting his hands everywhere. And she said she couldn't stop him. And she pushed him off, said, stop, this is wrong. And he wouldn't stop. And finally, he did stop. Um, so, but you got to wonder about this, too. Now, the New York Times basically is an organ of Hillary Clinton's campaign and has been. This is uh, since even when she was running against Bernie Sanders. The New York Times works for Hillary Clinton. The New York Times is a spokesperson for Hillary Clinton. These women that the New York Times is finding... Um, did these women come forward? I mean, you don't know. I mean, these kinds of cases when they go to court or even before they go to court or if they're settled out of court are really very much his word against somebody else's word. There, As far as I know, there are no witnesses to what these women say Donald Trump did. And Donald Trump is now accusing uh, the New York Times of smearing him and making up the, and finding these women you know, he'll say anything. He'll say that they're paying they're paying these women, <clears throat> that they're making things up, that they, uh, that they went out of their way to find these women. Maybe they did. Maybe the New York Times figured out. They, they, how could they do that, though? There are um, hundreds of millions of women in the United States. How could the New York Times have figured out a way to alert all the women in the United States that they ever had any trouble with Donald Trump to come forward? Now, if some woman contacted the New York Times, I'm sure the New York Times uh, would uh, and has given uh, wide public access to, uh, to their stories. And uh, what effect this will have on people, I don't know. So this stuff that he was doing, it's that he was talking about, calling it locker room banter. Obviously, somebody made that up. It's not the kind of thing that you think. It didn't seem natural, whatever seems natural from Donald Trump. It didn't seem like something he would say. He would, you know, he more likely would say, well, yeah, so, you know, it's something I said, but it's no big deal. Or, uh, you know, uh, don't get worried about it. Or, you know, it's something you shouldn't be bothered by because it happens all the time. And he might say something more natural like that, which is one reason why his followers like him, because he acts more natural, and quote, unquote. But <clears throat> he said this is just locker room banter. It happens all the time. Bill Clinton on the golf course has said even worse, which I'm sure is true. I don't know if he said worse. There's not much worse he could say, but uh, I'm sure that's true. And Lyndon Johnson and John Kennedy, and for that matter, a lot of men, a lot of men. Uh, When I was a teenager, uh, and, and it doesn't need to be in a locker room, but that's one of the places that's classically like a symbol where where men are together, like a frat house or a locker room, right, where it's an all-male society, there's no women allowed, there's no women eavesdropping, there's no authorities, um, uh, to this point at least, uh, or that we know of, tapping the banter in a locker room or tapping what goes on in a frat house. A lot of men talk this way, I think, who was shocked by this This the language on the tape. And it's not just the behavior that was shocking. The behavior is shocking. His behavior, if it turned out to be true, and now it looks like it's turning out to be true, is shocking. So now we have to think of Donald Trump in a completely different way. He's not just a foul-mouthed, vulgar asshole. He's not just somebody who makes things up in his own head, who lives in his own world. He's actually um, a kind of uncontrollable uh, danger to women who were around him. And the stuff he was saying to Harold, to Howard Stern on the radio, you know, Howard Stern made his living and makes his living doing this. Howard Stern uh, is the caca doo doo, bad teenage boy of radio and created a whole different kind of talk radio, right? Um, insulting people and using uh, bad language and talking about uh, bad language, using cursing uh, and, and referring to sex all the time, which is perfectly natural, right? So, uh, I mean, this is something, you know, that that's in the whole, a whole other discussion about the FCC, what should be allowed, what's natural, what's not natural. But when, when it passes, what's shocking, what is actually shocking, is that a man who is running for the president of the United States did these things, did these things. Now, like I say, there is there are... There are stories about Lyndon Johnson that he was forced, that he forced himself on a lot of women. And that a lot of his behavior may have, uh, if it was a modern day and Lyndon Johnson was running for president now, uh, or if he was president, we might see a lot of women coming forward. And it might not be six, it might be 60 women. And the same might be said for John Kennedy, although he had that kind of charisma and charm, which was more seductive maybe than aggressive, physically aggressive. <clears throat> but uh, that didn't happen, although it may have been true. But I think mostly, if you just uh, relegate it to the language, what was shocking to some men and to a lot of women was the language because they don't know that a lot of men talk this way. When I was a teenager, this is how a lot of boys talked about girls. Oh, yeah, that one. She's got, the, she's got great tits, that one. Oh, yeah, she's got a great ass. Man, I'd, li- I'd, I'd, I'd like to fuck her. That's how a lot of boys talk. Now, I don't know, you know, uh, uh, I'm an old geezer now, right? I don't know how boys talk in locker rooms. I don't know how boys talk. And a lot of this is class-oriented, class, class oriented too, uh, but not necessarily. I mean, uh, this, cro- this crosses class lines. So I think what was shocking, what is shocking now is his actual behavior. Um, I think it was shocking. The language was shocking to people because they actually heard him say it they heard him say it but this is how a lot of men talk and this is how a lot of boys talk and that's how a lot of men talk about women when i say a lot what do i mean i don't know you know but a great many men have talked this way about women i talked this way myself a couple of times in my life because other men were doing it mostly and i didn't want to seem like i wasn't manly or one of the guys right generally i wouldn't use language like that um Would I think that way about women and objectify women uh, as sexual objects? Yes, I've done that in my life. I've done that in my life. And a lot of men do that. Whether or not they're ever going to talk about it, I don't know. But now we see it all revealed. What's shocking is the man is running for president. He could be the commander in chief. He could be appointing people to the Supreme Court. He um, He can have control over what happens to women and their bodies. That's what's fucking shocking about it. That's what's shocking about it. And what's depressing about the whole thing is we've gotten to a point in American culture and American history when a man like this, who is merely a deranged celebrity and has no other qualifications whatsoever, can get to this point. What will be more shocking is if he loses and starts a third party, which will basically be like a fascist party. This is a very real thing. If you want to be shocked, shocked, be shocked by the possibility that the Republican Party, when it splits in half, one of those parts may be just exactly like a kind of American Nazi party. That's something we should be shocked by. All right. Enough for all that. Uh, again, if you want to – did I throw this out? No, I still have it. If you want to get the last five shows on your phone, you can do it by dialing the phone number one seven zero one seven one nine. 719 9984. And if you want to get in touch with me about anything you heard today, go to faderfiles.com, F-E-D-E-R-F-I-L-E-S.com, and that's what you need to do, and you can get in touch with me. Okay, I'll talk to you next week.